welcome back to another episode of Horror, Wine, and Crime Creepies. HWC. HWC. Ooh, a little chant. I love it. <laughs> we are currently in Lowe's bed recording, coming to you live in our profesh studio. Hey, it's been some hellish days here for us, okay? We've had some some struggles. We had some ups, we had some downs. So I said, you know what? Let's get our wine and let's do this comfortable as can be. I am so on board to do it like this anytime. <laughs> so comfy, so relaxing. Yeah, it's not the first time I've had her in my bed, you know. You know, but it happens. <laughs> <laughs> but we got the vibes going with like the candles and the lamps and the lights dim so we could get in the the story mode you know they what I really mean? are gonna start to think i'm trying to seduce oh you. sorry i guess <laughs> yeah that's not what i meant guys i meant like story mode vibes like true crime we're getting into the horror of what is about to unfold <laughs> there's been some weird shit happening like earlier my son said he saw the kitchen cabinet open and then close by itself Mm, gross, gross, And gross, then gross. earlier, while we were setting up and getting ready to prepare for tonight, the Alexa started playing thrift store in my kitchen by itself. Yeah, that was really odd, but good, good taste in music from the spirit, if that's who was controlling yeah, it. Yeah, that's not the first time Alexa's done that. Uh, the other time it was Nirvana, Come As You Are. Nice. Another good choice. <laughs> got some, your ghost has got some good music ch- uh, taste. It does, it does. So I always like to keep the candles lit just so if there are lingering spirits, they know that this is a calming place, this is a happy place, this is a no judgment place, and they can, they can come as they are if they want. Um, and let's just calmly talk about what you need and we'll work through it together yeah or we'll just you know keep to our own spaces would be more my ideal (laughs) but yeah this is a safe space okay so it's all good it's all good in the hood and if it's not i'm about to get in my car and skirt skirt home (laughs) home to my ghost (laughs) um but yeah, we went into this really cool store today, and it has like, what is the yoga class that we're going to take? Uh, candlelight. Candlelight yoga, okay? They have like psychic readings, they have like infrared therapy, they have a Himalayan salt room. Like Just a lot of energy work. You can yes. Do. They have crystals not down for it, okay? Apparently there is um, a line that cannot be crossed with me and Crystal, and she, she laid it firm today when I said, let's get bestie massages. And oh. she said, I don't do massages. I'm like, okay. It's not you. It's me. I it's, don't. It's you. I, You're, it's the problem is you. Hi, it's me. I'm the problem. It's me. Don't touch me if I don't know you. I don't like massages. <laughs> I don't even like barely you have to be a very specific person in my life to give me a massage like i love you low but i would never (laughs) let you massage me it's okay it's okay 
But that's good because you probably would never want to massage me. So match me. Well, it's not your feet. I'm good. You okay. Know? I got a thing of I don't like feet. Yeah, I mean, makes sense. Most people don't, but some people, some people really do. But that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> but yeah, it was a cool store. It was a cool place. I took a little pamphlet thing that I'm gonna research, um, and maybe one day when I'm not a broke bitch, I can go uh, do all the things there. <laughs> Yep, this is the the life of having your own place now. Mm-hmm. So Dax, hit us up so we can, you know. Make us cool. Yeah, make us cool. Um, Yeah, the store has a lot of home, what do they call like home remedy or what do they call it? Home? Like aromatherapy type stuff and like homemade like natural things like soaps and candles and homeopathic things that's the word i was looking homeopathic for. ding 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 there yeah, you go you were just saying the words until it came to you yeah <laughs> that's exactly that's how my brain works i just like work through it you know <laughs> until it comes to me but yeah that place i told them that should just direct deposit my paycheck right into their store and just have a tab ready for me when i walk in because just take my whole check honestly it's dangerous in there like, I wanted to buy so many different things, but I had to restrain myself. Because if I didn't restrain myself, then my card would have restrained me, because it would have been like, bitch, we're empty. <laughs> so. But yeah, that was super cool. I, uh, I liked that place a lot. Yeah, they, um, and the reason why she went is my daughter is trying, I forget the, I always mess up the name of the bed. It's like a, I can't remember what the bed was called. It's like a, it wasn't chirotherapy. They had that, but it oh, wasn't It was like that. a teacher bed or a tea. Yes. Regardless. Pretty cool shit. It's a bed. And they put like ski goggles on so you keep your eyes closed. And you see different colored lights even though your eyes are closed. And they put soothing stuff on your, in the earbuds. So you hear like waterfalls or whatever it is that you're... You go in for your symptoms, whether it's anxiety, depression, ADHD, um, PTSD, sexual abuse recovery, whatever it is, um, they make these sounds go to your needs. And my daughter is trying it because I would love nothing more than to get her off medication. Right. And there's only 500 in the entire world. And she said Michigan's one of them, clearly, because <laughs> she are. was in it. Yeah. <laughs> um, she did say how it was featured on Love, Love is Blind. Blind. Yeah. Uh, she said there's one in Chicago, one in New York. But so my daughter laid in it and basically it gives her a 30 minute nap while she spins in this bed. And I say spins, but it's more of just like a rotates. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like the tilt the world or anything. <laughs> right. You're not going to barf. Uh, but she, and it's to help basically just retrain your brain from your normal patterns of life that you tend to go to that you shouldn't go to so if you think negatively a lot it's hopefully to make it change to positive it helps you focus there's just so much that it can do for you so um my daughter lasted the whole 30 minutes i was so proud of her so yeah i'm hoping that she's gonna do this you know quite a bit you know maybe once a week or bi-weekly monthly whatever we decide to do 
And this could be something where she could potentially get off her anxiety medicine. If she could get off all her medicines, that'd be great. Right. But I would really want her off her anxiety medicine because it's not good for that little child. Yeah, that would be huge. And I know the girl who kind of was helping you guys out said that she actually got off the medication that she was on. So it just goes to show, like, what a difference that could make. So I think that that's, like, just super awesome like the whole concept of it is really really cool and she explained it super, like really well like in depth and everything but I was like dang I want to hop in and try to give this a try <laughs> I know my daughter she was kind of nervous at first but then after you just kind of seen her like and when we lifted the lid because it does kind of sound it does look kind of scary when you don't know what's going on right and it lifts up kind of like sounds like a I don't know, like a a pod for the mm-hmm. and the astronauts would use because like shh, you yeah, know? and we're like calling her name and we're like uh, hello. She was she was in that nap. She was out out like a light, but it, yeah, it looked very futuristic, but also very relaxing all at the same time. So yeah, that um, I would definitely be on board to do i would do anything there pretty much except for yeah the massage (laughs) she would do anything but she won't do that facts (laughs) um so jumping gears we can start talking about miss marcia kelly the woman of the hour for today's episode um now kind of how this story goes just jumping right into it to give you a synopsis, Marcia Kelly was a respiratory therapist who had convinced her teenage daughter and her friends to gun down her truck driver husband in October of 2005. Okay. So, can you say manipulative? Can you say controlling? Can you say cray cray? Yeah, more. that's more like it, seriously. So, in 2005, a small town in eastern Texas, they were mourning the loss of James Kelly, who was the husband of Marcia. And he was also the stepfather of Shayna, and her last name was Sepulvado. Sepulvado. Sorry if I'm pronouncing that incorrectly. Now... Everyone thought that his murder was like this tragic, random act of violence. But when the police began looking into James' relationship with his wife and stepdaughter, the investigation kind of shocked them and they were kind of like, oh, well, we didn't see this coming. So kind of taking it back uh, to learn a little bit more about Marcia... She was born in 1970, and she grew up in the suburbs of eastern Texas. When she was 17, she got married to her first husband and had two children with him, Shayna and Caitlin. Um, Now, that marriage did quickly end in divorce, so they really weren't together for a very long time after having their children. Um, She gained... A reputation as a rebellious teenager um, and 
she this was kind of this was featured on an episode of snapped um and she had told them i had quit school in the ninth grade and dabbled in marijuana a little bit as a teenager um when she was 21 she met 19 year old james kelly at a local street race the two kind of dated on and off for several years Kind of not super serious, but just going back and forth from seeing each other. And that's when Marcia ended up having a third daughter with a boyfriend, while James had two sons with another woman. So they weren't together during this time, and they were kind of creating their own families at this point. Um, And in 1995, James was put behind bars for a probation violation Uh, they kept in touch while james was in prison and they began writing each other letters like quite often which i never got like i don't know i just am not one of those girlies to write little love letters to the men in prison i know everybody's got their thing but i just never saw the uh, enticement in that Well, because if you can hook one, then you got yourself a man, and you know we always be. That's right. He can't cheat on you in prison. I mean, kind of, but... (laughs) Well, yeah, you know. Not with other bees. Right, yeah. I guess it's just on what you're okay with. (laughs) But yeah, I never understood the point of that either. Like, life in prison, but let's get married, and I'll send you money in prison and take care of you, but... I think it has to be like a control thing. You know what I mean? Like, like I'm kind of in control because he's stuck in this place, but he wants me. But like, I can kind of like navigate this relationship to how I want it to be and stuff like that. But I don't really feel like it's a relationship. Like you're eating dinner alone, watching TV alone, yeah, going to bed alone. Like, right? It's just like phone and letter communication, and then maybe some occasional visits, but like what is that and if it's life in prison they did something pretty terrible yeah like why do you want to be with that person super weird not that he was in life not that this guy was in prison for life but we're just talking about people in general but if that's your thing you know you do you boo that's true that's true (laughs) you do you no judgment not out loud not out loud no (laughs) so during this time marcia was dealing with her own tragedy Um, A tragic house fire actually took the lives of her mother and her daughter, Caitlin. Um, So obviously that was a really devastating thing that was going on in her life. And the aftermath of the fire almost caused the death of her other daughter as well. So it was a really bad scene, like a really tragic thing that happened. She She lost her daughter, her mother, and almost another one of her daughters as she was like critically injured so Shayna, her daughter attempted to ride her bicycle out in front of an 18 wheeler to go be with her grandma and her sister um so kind of to put it in more straightforward terms she was gonna try and commit suicide because she was so like upset by the loss of her grandma and her sister that that's what she had said and she was six years old at the time she had gone to a mental hospital for some time after the suicide attempt um 
And after that incident, Marcia went back to school to become a respiratory therapist. She really wanted to, you know, kind of turn her life around and do something positive with her life, despite all of these tragedies that were going on around her and all of the difficulties that kind of came afterwards. Um, Which, you know, I do, that's like commendable to try and do something positive when so much has been taken from you and you're in such a negative space. That's hard. Six years old. You're still a baby. I, I mean, and how do you even, how does she even think about doing, like, think that, or know that that's, like, a thing to do, you know? It's so sad. I, yeah, it just seems like this whole story is, like, just a sad way of life so far. I know. I know. Um. So, yeah, her and James had kept in contact, written letters, stuff like that. And when James got out of prison, he bought himself a truck and he ended up going into like the trucking business, you know, like semi trucks and stuff like that. Delivery, deliveries, all that good stuff. Um, And that's when him and Marcia started dating again, kind of more fully this time. Um, The two wanted to build a life together. So it was definitely the most serious that their relationship had ever been. And Marcia and her daughters ended up moving in with James and his two sons. Now, in 2003, 10 years after their first date, James and Marcia got married. So it was a long time coming. Um, Obviously, their first date wasn't like the beginning of their relationship. They were on and off for a long time and he had gone to prison and all that stuff. But, you know, they had known each other for 10 years and they decided that they wanted to fully commit to each other and get married. Um, James's company grew into a multi-truck business and Marcia's income at her hospital from becoming a respiratory therapist, it it grew enough for her to invest in a side business, um, which was like a part-time rental company for bounce houses for kids. Which I knew somebody, side note, in high school whose parents did that. Bank, man. People make bank doing that. Oh, yeah. All those kids want them bounce houses. And if you have the yard for it, what's easier to entertain at a birthday party than just sewing a bounce house up? Kids are in the house. The parents are drinking. Everybody's happy. Exactly. Just charge them by the hour. Like, that's a great side business. So she was, like, definitely a businesswoman. Kicking butt. They were obviously doing well financially together and seemingly you know just overall doing really well um you know they both stayed pretty busy between both their jobs and the kids and everything but they always made time for each other you know they like any normal couple they had their fair share of fights but they always seemed to come back together and make up at the end of the day and make things right And kind of just move forward from that. Now, Marcia's daughter, Shayna, obviously, like we had said, struggled after the death of her grandma and sister. And apparently she had an even harder time after Marcia married James. According to Shayna's husband, um, so kind of, Fast forwarding here, Shana got married to a man named Patrick Caps. 
He says that Shayna was a troubled teenager. She drank, she did drugs, she just basically overall was very rebellious, kind of just like how her mother was as a teenager. But according to the local sheriff, Thomas Cress, um, Marcia let a lot of things slide when it came to Shayna and her behavior that most parents would not. I And I'm wondering, like, you know, if it was because of everything that happened. Marcia even said herself, I felt like if I gave them what they wanted or let them do what they wanted, it was kind of to make up for me not being there as much. Which, like, I get her intention of where she's coming from. She Just the guilt of it. But, like, obviously that's not things aren't going to turn out good by just letting a bunch of shit slide they're not going to learn from their mistakes no, and they're going to be terrible adults exactly they're going to think they can get away with everything basically so yeah Shayna started skipping school hanging out with people who would have been involved in the juve the juvenile justice system and even with the adult criminal justice system Um, James obviously was very familiar with that world being in prison himself and he was determined he really wanted to keep Shayna out of that out of that life Marcia says James was always trying to correct Shayna more or less be a father figure to her but she didn't want that and she would tell him you're not my father She says, we had different ways of raising the kids, and that was most of our arguments and fights. Shayna felt like she was the reason her mom and stepdad were always fighting, so she ended up moving out at 14 to live with her boyfriend. Shayna was repeating all of Marcia's childhood mistakes, so she was kind of like living out the life that Marcia had lived out. And James was determined to stop it. He wanted Shayna to come back. He wanted the family to be together. He just wanted everything to be fixed. Um, When Shayna did move back home a few weeks later, the couple both agreed mutually that they would be stricter with Shayna um, to try to get her, you know, like, back on the right path in life. But... Shayna then tried to move out again at the age of 16. Marcia went and got her things and brought her home, like, basically immediately. And the tensions were really, really high throughout the house during this time, you know. And there were blowouts between Marcia and Shayna. This all happened in towards the end of 2005 when she was trying to move out and their relationship was really struggling during that time which I can only imagine like your child first of all leaves at 14 but then tries to leave again at 16 and is rebelling like that has to be exhausting to try and keep up with yeah I wonder if they could have put her in like a like a teen I don't know it's like a teen boot camp but some kind of therapy place or some kind of somewhere where they could have sent her because she was a minor, to where she could have in-care therapy. Right. Something to be like an outlet for her because clearly she she clearly needed it, you know? And it wasn't working with her parents. Like, they weren't obviously 
helping even though I'm sure they wanted to. They just were probably driving her further away. Marcia said, I had asked her to clean her room and she got mad and we ended up getting in an actual fight, like a fist fight. So they literally brawled, you know, like it wasn't just like typical mother-daughter yelling. It was like bad baby. Oh my gosh, pretty much. We're going to catch her outside. (laughs) She got to catch her outside. How about that? (laughs) That's pretty much how that went. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's so funny yeah they were legit out there fist fighting each other um according to marcia Shayna had pushed her into a sliding glass door and which caused like her head to start bleeding so it was like a serious fight serious serious fight um investigator thomas caress says that Shayna was arrested on that and as a result was placed on juvenile probation so what they were trying to prevent her from getting into the life of crime she ended up going there anyways because well because she fist fought and cut open her mom's head yes, I just came after her mama yeah backfired on them i don't think ways. no matter how mad i've ever been at my mom i've never even crossed my mind to put my hands on her i know same yeah like to even like push or like anything nope i was more of the go out the door slam the door behind me go in my room slam the door behind me same i was a door slammer yeah you know me too storm off whatever I would, like make like a sassy comment and then storm off and then slam the door behind me yeah yeah make especially if sister exit. was there if sister was trying to egg it on then i'd be like you know just trying to stick it to both of them right and yeah. leave i feel like that's the more typical way that how teenage girls are like with their moms and stuff like this most of them don't really bash their heads in glass doors (laughs) this girl was uh on the next level so after the arrest Shayna only became more unmanageable uh she really became unhinged after that she began dating a 23 year old registered sex offender named dallas christian winner um marcia apparently didn't stop her daughter from seeing him but james wouldn't have it and this caused james and Shayna to fight all the time and it just kept getting worse and worse over time you know because he didn't want her to be a criminal he didn't want her to do drugs and drink and be in juvie and date sex offenders you know what i mean which is like a normal thing parents want for their kids how dare he not want that i know like what who who does he think he is but it's just like she was not having it and the the fights between them just they were just getting worse and worse marcia said that Shayna would tell him i'm going to kill you one of these days Oh my gosh. Like straight up said that to him. Now, on October 22nd, 2005, James had the day off of work, but he was at home doing repairs on um, some of the trucks that he had for his company in order to have them ready for the next day of work. Marcia, at that point, had gone to her overnight shift at the hospital and James was able to work in peace since Shayna was also out of the house at the time. She had gone out somewhere with her new boyfriend um, 
and a boy named Colton Wire, and just kind of to party and drive around. You said Colton Wire. It reminds me of Cotton Weary. What's Cotton Weary? From Scream. Oh, you're right. <laughs> it is very similar. Ding, ding, ding. The ding, new ding, one comes ding, out. Moment. I know. That was We're so We're going to discuss movie times after this. Okay, perfect. To set up a Scream weekend. And you know, I just heard not that long ago that it was already coming out. And I was like, it's already coming out? I feel like the other one just came out. Well, now that Sydney's not going to... We'll talk yeah yeah that's a whole other thing (laughs) um but at around 3 a.m james finished and called marcia to ask her to give him a wake-up call to get back to work later in the morning so at 7 a.m marcia called james over and over again but he would not answer she then called her father-in-law and James' stepfather, David Bone, to go check on him because he wasn't obviously answering his phone. Um, and David actually lived next door to the couple, so he just stopped by. He knocked on their door, but James still wasn't answering. So when David decided to go inside the house, that's when he made the gruesome discovery. James was in bed with the comforter over his head and David took his walking stick and poked James' feet. You know, he probably thought he was sleeping at first. Like, let me wake him up by, like, poking his feet. I mean, maybe. I think he had some doubts before he Well, yeah, maybe. (laughs) I mean, maybe he did realize that something was going on. Um, But, yeah, James didn't move when his feet were poked. Prosecutor Stephanie Stevens says that David then pulled the covers back from James' head and immediately saw that James was, in fact, dead. So David immediately dials 911, and then he called Marcia back to let her know something bad had happened. No one knew what actually happened or what could have even happened but investigators definitely knew one obvious thing for sure that james had been shot in the face but the home didn't appear to be disturbed and there was only one apparent clue thomas cruss says there was a cell phone laying in the bedroom on the floor that was still open and still in a call-type state. So that was kind of the only clue at that point that they had to go off of because obviously it didn't look like anybody broke into the house or there wasn't anything else super obvious around that could give them anything that significant to work off of. There was no sign of a struggle. No sign of a struggle. (laughs) So when Marcia got home, she somehow, for like whatever reason, she seemed very calm and collected. Um, According to one of James' friends, when they pulled up to the yard, she slowly got out of the car and walked up to an officer. After confirming that her husband was dead, Marcia apparently went into shock. She went inside the house where she flipped through her cell phone and fed their dogs before checking on her husband. 
Now, I get it. You love your little fur babies. But if my husband was shot dead in the face, I probably would wait to feed dogs until after I, like, went to go see him. You know what I'm saying? You feel like that's kind of an out-of-order operation she went for. This week, maybe. No. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just typically. Uh, just a weird uh, combination of steps that she took there. Yes, yes. My dog can eat after a while. It'll be okay. Right. Exactly. So, Department of Public Safety Trooper Brian Barnes said, when you have an individual in the house who is deceased, that is highly unusual. Like, her behavior, he means. Um, And James's brother, his name was Pat Kelly, he says that she was, like, flat. She had no emotions, no nothing. Like, it was like she was a blank slate. Nothing was going on in her mind marcia then gave the officers a brief statement and they asked her if james had any enemies marcia said that she told them well i mean there's people that don't like him but i wouldn't say enough to kill him so when detectives interviewed the family members outside um they got a little bit of a different story a reporter named Kyle Pivito says Shayna's name came up several times when police were asking the family members questions. Um, according to the investigator, Thomas Curse, Dallas Christian's name, Colton Wire's name, they all emerged very early on, and we in law enforcement here were familiar with some of those names from some prior dealings as well. So Christian, Dallas Christian, obviously is her sex offender boyfriend, and Colton Ware was their friend, who apparently he had run-ins with the law previously as well. So Marcia then helped track down Shayna, who went down to the station with Dallas Christian later that evening. Shayna told investigators that she last saw her stepdad around 9 p.m. the night before. She said she had asked for permission to stay at a friend's house because she was on probation, and she claimed that he said yes, that she could go, and they didn't argue or anything. It was just kind of like a casual situation. Um, And Shayna says that she then spent the evening driving the back roads and partying down by the river. In the van down by the river. (laughs) I knew you were going to say something (laughs) like that. I was just waiting to hear my pause. (laughs) I was like, what's her comment going to (laughs) be? Oh, you got a little Farley. I knew it. (laughs) Um, So in the interrogation room next door, investigators got the same story from Dallas Christian and a similar one from 15-year-old Colton Wire the next day. According to Thomas Curse, small inconsistencies kind of began to arise in their stories. The police pressed Colton as he was the youngest of the three and probably the most vulnerable and the most likely to break. So they were like, this one we can get to crack, so let's go (laughs) after him. (laughs) Which, you know, could be a good thing or a bad thing in certain situations, as we've learned with previous cases that we've done. 
And I know which one of my friends would crack and which ones weren't. I'm not going to say names, though. She's like, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. <laughs> I'm not going to say names, though. Keep that to yourself. <laughs> Hit me up for horror, wine, or crime after dark. <laughs> right. <laughs> so when asked if he had anything to do with James's murder, Colton immediately broke down and confessed to shooting James. That night... He said the kids had gone out partying and had discussed and planned to kill James. Colton told investigators that he, Shayna, and Dallas all had driven to James's home early in the morning after they were like making these plans to like go and kill him. Stephanie Stevens says that Shayna and Colton got out of the car, got gloves and a gun from the trunk went into the house Shayna showed colton the location of james's room and colton then snuck up to sleeping james and pulled the trigger now again they manipulated this 15 year old boy to go and shoot this man obviously he's 15 he's logical enough to know like maybe i shouldn't shoot and kill somebody so i'm not saying that he doesn't deserve blame at all hey peer pressure is a motherfucker that's what i'm saying <laughs> like i think that especially if they were drinking and partying and under the influence of who knows what that don't help either so the three of them then decided to go back to the river to dispose of the gun and burn the items of clothing. Investigators had a confession, a list of accomplices, and the location of the murder weapon. But they wondered, you know, why would Colton go along with this? You know, in my mind, just like Lo said, I'm like, peer pressure? <laughs> you know? These older kids he's hanging out with, there's a motive for scream one right they say jump he says how high you know um but according to colton he was offered payment for the murder uh only it wasn't shayna but marcia who had put out the hit bam plot twist for them colton told investigators yeah marcia's the one who was gonna pay me to shoot and kill james so when detectives questioned Shayna again, she didn't say anything that helped investigators. Dallas, however, fessed up and said both Shayna and Marcia had plotted the murder for hire. So they were they were tag teaming James over there. Dallas told police that Shayna called her mother after the murder and told her James was dead. Colton, Shayna, and Dallas were all in custody, but they could not arrest Marcia without more evidence. Ugh. Of course. <laughs> right? So Marcia later came back to the sheriff's department to support her daughter, but as Shayna was booked on murder charges, she started to break down. She was probably like, F this, I'm not the only one going down. <laughs> Marcia says that in the office with one of the deputies, I heard her crying, a.k.a. Shayna. You know, yeah, I did it for my mom. I didn't want him making her cry anymore. As they continued their investigation, detectives recovered the rifle from the river. 
um, as well as the fire where they burned the clothes. Finally, phone records were used to confirm the call from Shayna to Marcia to tell her that James was dead. Um, and after subpoenaing the records, they found a series of calls made between Shayna and Marcia all throughout the night. Basically, them just going back and forth, plotting how things are going to work out and what the plan is and all that. All that jazz. <laughs> all that Jerry Springer all that Jerry Springer bullshit. <laughs> Moka looka bullshit. <laughs> yeah. So Shayna's attorney, John Heath Jr., says that Marcia's phone calls to Shayna before James was shot and after James was shot very much put her in the role of at least being a participant. So this led back to the investigation's first clue of the open phone left by James's body. Thomas Kerr said, We really believe that Marcia had staged this to be able to hear the gunshot as this act actually took place, which that's kind of like fucked. Like, that's just kind of like, like weird, is it not? She like wanted to hear the gunshot, like she was going to get sadistic. off on it. That's sadistic for real. So Marcia ended up being charged with capital murder, according to the sentinel, sentinel words. So on July 31st, 2006, the following year, but less than a year after James's death, Marcia stood trial for murder. The prosecutors claimed Marcia's motive was money and that she wanted to collect on James's $100,000 life insurance policy. Payday, according to her, um, but according to the prosecution through Shayna, Marcia promised Colton a truck, $10,000, and two jet skis to commit the murder. Now, $100,000 is a lot. But this kid's getting a lot of that for him to kill him. You know what I'm saying? $10,000, a truck, and two jet skis. That's got to take a big chunk out of your $100,000, I would assume. Especially these days, because... Yeah. Shit's not cheap. That's like two grocery trips. (laughs) For real. (laughs) Honestly, you're not wrong. Uh, (laughs) It's only like three months worth of eggs. Exactly. (laughs) So Shayna also allegedly told Colton that her stepfather mistreated her and had gotten her arrested, which apparently he was moved by, according to court records, um, which was another motivation for him to come through with the crime. Uh, The defense claimed that Marcia quite often would wish that James was dead, but, you know, she was only kidding is what she would say yeah exactly um marcia says i did a few times say that i wanted james dead but people say that every day i mean everybody says that sometimes you know god i just want to kill you but they're not in the same context as it was made out to be i don't know i don't really ever tell anybody i want to kill them i really don't i really don't either i mean there's people that annoy the piss out of me and i would like to just 
really put my hand on their face, but I hold back. Right, exactly. That's called self-control, people. (laughs) I don't know how much of it I have left. I feel that. (laughs) You're doing, you're holding strong, though. Oh my God, I'm trying. (laughs) But according to the prosecution, this wasn't the first time Marcia had solicited the murder of her husband. Which is like, dang. Um, Thomas Kerr says, we were actually able to establish two different individuals that Marcia had approached in the past and offered the payment of money or vehicles to have her husband killed. So she's been plotting this for a while now, and she went to multiple people to try to get this to happen. Yeah, she's not very smart about this. No. And then we wonder why her daughter had some issues. Exactly. So the defense continued to claim Marcia never intended for James to be killed and that her own daughter and her friends acted on their own. Uh, Marcia did not take the stand, but Shayna did testify on her behalf. And Shayna claimed that she did not know Colton planned to kill James. I like how she says Colton planned to kill him. It's like, nah, girl, you was in on that too. This was, you were the ringleader, honey. Well, no, I think Marcia was the ringleader, but as far as the three friends. Exactly. (laughs) So Shayna said, we left the house and after I heard the gunshot, nobody said nothing in the car. I had went back to the car, nobody has said nothing, and then just out of the blue, Colton says that he killed him. He goes, I killed a man. Well, I freaked out and I started screaming because I couldn't believe that anything happened like that. My mom was at work and stuff. I mean, she didn't have nothing to do with this, and the DA was saying she paid this kid. She paid this kid? She didn't. I made all fingers point to me and my friends, mainly all fingers point to me. That's such a lame-ass excuse. No offense, but, like, fucking lame. (laughs) They could do better. Yeah. On the stand, Shayna also claimed that James had molested her and beat her family, which prosecutors explained she never disclosed before her arrest. She was only saying it now that she was on trial. Um, And Shayna really did throw herself under the bus for her mother. It's easy to say, like, all this stuff when... The suspect is dead. Yeah, because you, you have no, you have nobody defending him really. Like you have. So a not only did you murder him, but now you're muddying his name. Exactly. So on August fourth, two thousand six, it took the jury only two hours to find Marcia guilty of capital murder. She was sentenced to life without parole. In 2006, Colton Weir was convicted of capital murder and sentenced to life without parole as well. And then the following year, in 2007, Shayna was also convicted of capital murder, again, sentenced to life without parole. Gotcha, bitches. Gotcha, indeed. Now, Dallas Christian, he pleaded guilty to the lesser charge of murder, and he is serving 40 years, um, and he's eligible for parole after 20 years. So he definitely got the best deal out of all of them. Shayna and Colton both appealed their sentences for life without parole because they were juveniles at the time of the murder, so they're saying... You know, we want to uh, appeal this because of that. And in 2015, the Texas Supreme Court decided the sentencing was unconstitutional 
for both Shayna and Colton to be sentenced to life without the possibility of parole without having a hearing first. So they were both then sentenced to life in prison with the possibility of parole. And they both will be eligible for parole in the year 2045. And to this day, Shayna still maintains Marcia's innocence, uh, which I think is very interesting that she's still like, she's got her mom's back. She's like, no, my mom didn't do this. But I feel like if your mom already tried to hire two people to kill your stepdad, I think your mom had something to do with this. Yeah, maybe just a little <laughs> just bit. Just a little bit. Uh, Shayna says, I don't think my mother should be in prison. There's no reason for her to be here. Marcia claims that she didn't murder James, but she does feel that she shares a percentage of the responsibility. 25%, and that's because I had, you know, we were all there as far as the actual murder itself. I don't feel responsible for. I just hope that one day this will be straightened out. There was no capital murder. There was a murder. But there was no capital murder. (laughs) Is what she says. Just a little murder. Just like a Not, tiny bit just, of murder, you know? You know, he's just like a little bit. Like, like just a little small one. Just a little just, baby murder. Just dead forever, but not forever, ever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, uh, her and Shayna's defenses are just kind of comical to me. Like, both of them. Um, that information I got from Snapped and from Oxygen. So, shout out to them. But, yeah, this story... The story's crazy. It's sad, honestly, if you look at, like, the the history of this family. They obviously had all gone through a lot and probably didn't grow up in the best conditions or the best surroundings. They didn't make the best decisions for themselves, which led them into, you know, where they're at now. But also, you know, don't murder people. That's... It, you know? It's a pretty easy rule to keep. I mean, I'd like to think so. I don't think it's that difficult to uh, just not shoot someone in the face, or plan to, or hire someone to do it. Go, it. go, go! Take up kickboxing. You know, if you're really that angry, go start punching a punching bag. It'll be rage a lot more room, productive. Which I really want to do. What a rage room! Rage room. Yes, yes, yes. Please, let's do that. So many. <laughs> like, please, let's, let's do that. I have a lot of rage. I would love let's to go get right now. Let's leave. Grab the wine. Bye, guys. No. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, seriously, so many other options. Uh, but you know, people be people in. Uh, but yeah, that was a that was that family story. Not a not a happy ending, but I guess kind of. <laughs> Maybe not. Uh, do better people do better yeah we'll end on that note (laughs) do better be better all the things all the things um but yeah thanks guys for sticking around and listening to this story we will be back again at you next week with a brand new one so until then we got to go stay creepy Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>